I didn't say it earlier, but I want to say it now. Uh, Happy Father's Day. That's right, the unsung hero, right? I don't know about your kids at all, but I just told my son that on Father's Day you're supposed to share candy with your father, and he didn't believe me. So I need other dads to help me out today and let him know. Uh, If you would, turn to Colossians chapter 1, Colossians 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 23 today. Colossians 1, 9 through 23. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we had not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless blameless, and beyond reproach, if indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. A few weeks ago, my my parents came to visit. Don't tell the governor here or the governor in Michigan that that happened. Uh, But they did cross state lines, and they came to visit. And and when they came to visit, they came to church. But my mom has health issues, so she stayed in the car. She uh, didn't have any contact. And I know a few of you had mentioned that, that you were able to meet my parents in the car as they drove by to get their coffee. Uh, and, and I know some of you have said, oh boy, I, I wish I would have met uh, your parents. Well, I'm here to tell you today, if you've seen me, you've seen my dad. And, and I very much mean that. When I was in college, my parents would come to visit, and my dad loved to come to classes with me. And you would think it was to come to classes with me. It was really because he wanted to just go to classes. He felt like, hey, my son's going. I can get this class for free. And, and there was one time specifically that he came to class with me, and, and it was a class on Jerusalem, 
and how the city was established historically and biblically. And the teacher had us break up into groups. And I remember my dad looked at me and said, I'm going to go with that group. They look like they have a better project. And so he left me, went with another group. And then a little while later, when we all convened back together to share our projects, my friend came up to me and, and he said, that guy over there, that's your dad, isn't it? I said, yeah, that's my dad. And he said, mirror image. <laughs> and I've had people say that, that my dad and I, we sound alike, we talk alike, we have the same kinds of jokes. And it even, because he, he was a pastor, we would get phone calls at the house and I would answer the phone and people would think it was me and start talking about the board meeting or something going on in the church and I'd have to slow them down. So there's been times where people have looked at our personalities and have said, wow, your guys' personalities are exactly the same. Well, this is the kind of relationship that Paul describes Jesus having with God the Father. The kind of relationship where, where you sort of say, well, I've never seen God. I wonder what God is like. And Paul says, well, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. And he even goes into pretty specific detail and, and really expounds on what it is that Jesus has done, the kind of character that Jesus has, and how that is the image of the living God that we serve. And so the scripture that we read here today, it opens up with Paul saying to his people in Colossae, he says to them, I have not stopped praying for you since the day I heard of your salvation. So this would have been a church that Paul planted. This is a church that Paul oversaw. He would have placed a minister there. He would have known the people there very intimately. And what he's telling them is, since the day that you were saved since the day that you were a Christian, I've not stopped praying for you. And I've not stopped giving thanks for you. I know I say this a lot, but that verse itself is its own little sermon. I mean, how often are we that excited when somebody we know, or even somebody we don't know, but get to know because they've been saved? How often are we that excited that we say, I've not stopped giving thanks. I've not stopped praying for you since the day of your salvation. Well, Paul tells them that he's been praying, and then he says, this is what I've been praying for. And he says, I have been praying that you are filled with all knowledge and wisdom of who God is. And so the prayer that he's praying is, I pray that you know who God is in an intimate manner. I pray that you are in such a close relationship with God that you would know him more. And this little word, know, it's used throughout all of Scripture. This word, know, this, this, uh, we tend to think of it as knowledge, that I want to know who God is, so I, I better pick up a textbook and study, or I better go to school and find out who this guy is. That word, know, that's used throughout Scripture, oftentimes is not a knowledge base, it's a relationship base. So I know my wife, Emily, and I know my kids that are here, but not because I read about them in a textbook or saw pictures of them. It's because these kids used to wake me up in the middle of the night and had to be fed. They still wake me up in the middle of the night. It's besides the point, though. But I know my family not because of knowledge, not because of textbook knowledge or, or head knowledge. I know them because of the relationship I have with them. 
And what Paul says to his people is, since the day that you were saved, I've been praying that your knowledge, your intimate relationship with God, does nothing but grow from here on out. And he says, we've been praying that this relationship grows so that you would walk in a manner worthy of him and pleasing to him. Well, what does that mean? You become what you worship. This is is why God told the Israelites, no idols, no idols in your lives. You worship me alone. You don't worship any other God because we as humans are always looking up to something or someone and we begin to model ourselves after that person. And so in our Christian life, when we focus our attention on God, we begin to act like him. We begin to to have our personalities changed so that we walk in a manner that's worthy of him. And Paul says, I want you to be in such an intimate relationship with God the Father that you would begin to act like him. That you would begin to pattern your life after the way that he lives. And then he goes on to say that that in doing this, you're going to give joy in thanksgiving to God. You are going to worship him joyfully because he is the one that planned this all. Okay, so you were saved. You are now being prayed for that your relationship with God would grow deeper so that you would become in character like God. Well, whose plan was this? This was God's plan. This wasn't man's idea. We didn't come up with this stuff. It was God the Father. And so Paul says that God the Father is the one that qualified us to be saved. And so when we look up to God the Father, what we see is we have a loving Father that looked down at the needs that we've had and said, I don't want you to live this kind of life anymore. I want you to live a life that's worthy, a life that's good. And to drive this point home, the reference that we get in the scripture is that we were rescued from the dominion of darkness and we've been transferred into the kingdom of his son with the saints. Okay? You used to be in darkness. You used to be in a kingdom that was hostile. And Paul explains this later on in the passage. We'll get into that. But for now... What you need to know is, at one point, you were dead. You were dead. You couldn't do anything to please God, even if you wanted to. And God looked down at us, and he wasn't mad about that. He was sad. God saw the position that we were in in life and said, I need to do something for these people. And so it was God who qualified us to become Christians He's the one that looked down and said, man, they're not worthy to come into my son's kingdom, but they need to. So how did God qualify us to come into the kingdom of light? Jesus. And we get this really long explanation of who Jesus is. In the opening of that, Paul says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So we know that God the Father qualified us. He's the, this was his plan. This was his plan from, from Genesis chapter 3. Remember what happened in Genesis chapter 3? 
Adam and Eve decided that they wanted to live a life away from God, and so they chose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Ever since that moment, from the first bite that they took, God had a plan of redemption to qualify us to live in his kingdom. And to do that, he sent his son, Jesus. And Paul says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And so that if we ever say, man, I, I just, I wish I could hear God speak. Man, I wish I could know who God is. The truth is, whenever you hear the words of Jesus, read his stories, and come into communion with him, you are coming into communion with God the Father. And so what kind of relationship is this like? Well, Paul begins to explain the character of Jesus. And he says, first of all, that through him, or he's the, excuse me, he's the firstborn over all creation. Now, let's pause really quick there, because that doesn't mean that Jesus was created. That doesn't mean that there was ever a time that Jesus wasn't. Jesus has always been with God the Father. What that means is, through Jesus, everything was created. And Paul begins to explain this. And, and I really like one thing you need to know about the Bible, it was expensive to write. Paper and pens were expensive. And not only that, to get somebody that was smart enough to know how to read and write, that was time-consuming. And so when Paul spends time writing these verses, if you ever feel like, man, you know, come on, dude, sum it up, you know, just, just say Jesus is like God and go on with it. There's a reason Paul is giving all of this detail. He wants you to know just how important Jesus is to the Father. So he says, firstborn over all creation. Without him, nothing was made. Through him, everything was made. If you see it, God made it, okay? Look around the room. Can you see everything? Yep, God made it. Okay, what about the stuff you can't see, like the air? Yep, yeah, God made that. Well, what about the, the spiritual realm, the things we can Yep, through Jesus, God made it all. And not only that, Paul says that through Jesus, God made it all, but also through Jesus, everything holds together. Which means it's Jesus that makes sure that everything is still going on that the world is still spinning, that we're still going around the sun, that we still come every day, that we still have our health. This is all held together by the power of Jesus. And then, Paul says, not only is he the creator of everything, but he's also head of the church. So the very people that God the Father wanted and did qualify for the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is now in charge of them. He is the one that leads us. And how does he do this? Well, Paul says it's through the forgiveness of sins. It's through the reconciliation of us with God the Father so that if we did anything wrong with God, Jesus stands there to make things right. One way of putting this is, uh, and, and it, it feels kind of crude, but have you ever had one of your kids have a childhood friend and, and they convince the childhood friend that you're nice? Or, or maybe let's look at the other way around. I, I had a friend, uh, his name is, is Bobby, 
and, and his dad was just massive. I, just, just a massive, I mean, I, I think at least eight foot tall, 500 pounds, pure muscle, just one of those guys. I, I have an image, and I know it's not true, I think it came from a Superman comic book, but I have an image of him lifting up a tractor with one arm. And so this image of him, when I first saw him, was always that like, oh my goodness, you know, that guy must be mean and big and nasty. But it was my friend Bobby that convinced me, oh, my dad's really nice. And sure enough, it was my friend Bobby that got me to meet his dad and find out that he was a really nice guy. It didn't matter his size and his strength. Although when Bobby got in trouble, I just knew to go home. (laughs) That's a different story. But that's sort of the relationship that Jesus invites us into as head of the church. As he says, do you want to meet my dad? Do you want to come and meet him? Do you want to be in a relationship with him? He can fix everything. He loves you. So this is what it means that Jesus is head of the church. He is leading us into that relationship with God the Father. And what's more about all of this is that when God the Father looks down at what Jesus has done and how Jesus has represented him here on this earth, And here in this church, it says that God was pleased to put his fullness into him. There's a pride there that God has when he sees Jesus sharing his image with us. Every time we come into communion with Jesus... God is looking down saying, oh, this is wonderful. This is exactly what I wanted my people to know about me. And in fact, uh, when Jesus is is leading the disciples towards the end of his ministry in, in the book of John, some of his disciples ask, well, Jesus, we've never seen the Father. We don't know where you're going. What does the Father look like? And what Jesus responds to him is, well, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I can't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. And what Jesus is telling his disciples is, everything you've seen me do is exactly what God has told me to do in my life and to do in your life. And so as head of the church, God is pleased to see Jesus in a relationship with us. And so what does that mean for us in our Christian life? Well, Paul goes on later in this passage at the end. He says, Jesus has come into a relationship with us because we were at one time a part of the dominion of darkness. We were at one time alienated. We had no father. We had no relationship. God looked down at us, and even though we were hostile, Think about that for a moment. We were hostile, not just towards God, but towards others. And God looked down and said, they need a Savior that's going to bring them back to me. And so he sent his son to become his full, or to be his full image so that we would be in that relationship. And so it says that Jesus forgave us of our our sins by death on the cross. A a verse we did skip, 
uh, is, is that not only is he firstborn over all creation, but he's firstborn over the dead. And what that means is that when Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected, his resurrection was so full, it brings in all other resurrections. So you are no longer spiritually dead because of Jesus' resurrection on the cross. And so Jesus brings us into this full relationship with God the Father, making reconciliation, making things right between us and him. And this was all the Father's plan all along. So what does this mean for us as we leave here today? Well, first of all, I think sometimes we struggle with a misconception of who God the Father is. And let me explain that. First of all, sometimes when we read the scriptures, what we can read, and I've heard this from from Christians before, is when they've read the scripture, they've said, you know, it, it seems like when I read the Old Testament, I read about a very angry God that, that's upset with what we've done, and so he puts in rules, and he's upset that we break the rules. But then I read the New Testament, and it sounds like a completely different God in Jesus, and that Jesus loves us, and he doesn't care about the rules, and he wants us to live with him. That's not the case. God the Father has always been loving, has always been full of grace throughout the whole scripture, and it's Jesus who has come and has fixed our image as to who God is. So if you have any misconceptions about who God is when you read, I encourage you, go to the Gospels, go to the letters, and hear what what is said about Jesus and who he is, because he is the image of God. And that is the same God that is spoken about in the Old Testament. Jesus has come to fix our perception that God is loving, And what's further about this is a study came out, this was years ago, I want to say 20 or even 30 years ago, and, and I think it still holds true today, that oftentimes your view of who God is comes from your view of who your father is. And so if you had a father that was very strong and and very decisive in decisions. You can sometimes have a view of God that he is very strong, but also very decisive in his decisions. The problem is, and I think I speak for all fathers that are listening here today, there is no perfect father in this world. Now, I'm biased. I think my dad is the best dad in the world, and I have a feeling he's going to listen to this sermon today because he loves his son. And so, Dad, I'm sorry. He's not perfect. And so if we carry with ourselves this image of God that is based on the imperfections of our own Father, we're going to be thinking of God as a whole different person than who he is. And so what Jesus has done is he's come down, and what he said to us is, no, 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 that's not my dad. You're wrong about who my dad is. My dad is full of love. My dad, your salvation was his plan. He wanted this from the beginning, and that's why I came. So Jesus comes, 
to share with us that correction in our image of who God is. And then also, what Jesus does is he comes and he invites us into that relationship that he has with God the Father. So the love that they have for one another, Jesus brings in. There's, there's references that we have throughout the scripture that, that if we're saved, if we're following Jesus Christ, um, we are now called children of God. We are now one of his kids, like what Jesus is. But then on top of that, we're, we're heirs. He says we're co-heirs with Jesus. So, so if Jesus gets all of the riches in heaven because he is the only begotten son of God, we are now adopted into the family and he shares that entire inheritance with us. We are now a part of the family in the same way that Jesus is in that family. Jesus is calling us into that relationship with the Father. And then finally, there's something else here that occurs. That word image, all right? Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Where is another, another verse in the Bible can you think of where there's a reference to God's image? Genesis chapter 1. That, that was, by the way, a, a pop quiz because we've been going over the book of Genesis. I'll report, yeah, Sheila got it. I'll report back to Pastor Mark. We need to start this over. Genesis chapter 1, when God creates man, it says he formed him from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That's Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 1, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. You were made to reflect the character of God in this world. The original plan was that you would be like God on this earth, taking care of everything. But because of the sin that we've committed, the sin that's in this world, we've fallen from that image, and so God has restored us. But it's not just a restoration in the forgiveness of sins, but remember what I said earlier? You become like who you worship. Whatever is first in your life, that's what you're drawn towards. That's what you begin to reflect in your character. Jesus is here in a relationship with you to restore the image that God had on you when you were first created. That's why Paul says to his people, I have not stopped praying for you. I have not stopped praying that your relationship with God would grow deeper and deeper so that you would walk in a manner that's worthy of him. Another way of putting it, I've been praying that you would grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ and God the Father. That Jesus would show you how loving the Father is so that you would begin to walk in a way that has God's image restored in your life. Thank God he has such a wonderful relationship with his son and sent him to us. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for calling us into this relationship that you have. Lord, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to be in this world. 
to teach us, to die for us. Thank you for resurrecting them. Thank you, God, for the relationship we have with them. And thank you, God, for for revealing who you are so that we know how loving you are. God, as we leave here today, we pray that we would continue to grow in a relationship with you. That we would walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Amen.